Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. on a subject here, and uh, we're going to be asking a question in the subject tonight, and that question is, am I generous? Am I generous? So we're going to be continuing on a few thoughts on giving, and uh, a lot of the uh, information that I have tonight is uh, from from our friend uh, Stan Gleason. Uh, Stan Gleason has a book out called A Culture of Generosity. And uh, a lot of tremendous thoughts that are here in, in this uh, writing. And, uh, but I do feel like that it is a part of uh, the, uh, rev- you know, the revival, the, the, the move of God within us the church body, the harvest, and that is a part of our generosity. So tonight we're going to talk about a culture of generosity, but the question is, am I generous? I'd like for you to turn to yourself tonight, look yourself in the eye. I know that can't be done, but hey, you can point yourself right here and say, and ask the question, am I generous? Am I generous? Am I generous? Uh, This is what God wants us to be. He wants us to be generous. Uh, There's scriptures that bear this out. I know that we can relate to um, a farmer. We've all known farmers. Um, Some of my family were farmers down in southern Missouri. They were farmers and they were uh, horsemen and and trained mules. And and, uh, some of y'all know that story. They've they've, um, raised cattle um, down in southwest Missouri, so a lot of my family, you know, they were, they were farmers. Matter of fact, uh, my grandmothers, they were farmers, grew up on farms, and a lot of your family, I'm sure, grew up on farms also. So we understand the concept of farmers, and uh, when we think of a farmer, what do we think about, first of all? What's that? Hard work, getting up early. Yeah. Uh, but the thing about farming uh, a lot of things that God teaches us is about um, uh, the normal ways of life. I, I think we can learn a lot, uh, and I mentioned this before, we can learn a lot about uh, you know, the way God's created us, about his plan, because I think everything about us, um, the way God's made us, fearfully and wonderfully made, kind of teaches us things about God's plan for our lives and, and in the scriptures. The seasons teach us a lot of things. Plants, growth, planting seed. I mean, you could go through a whole lot of things, just the normal things that we deal with in life. We can learn about God's plan for our lives. So we can also learn from the farmer. There are scriptures in the Bible that talks about this, that 
as we think about a farmer and planting a garden or planting of fields of, of uh, plants, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. That's, we, we pretty well understand that. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Um, you know, there's been times, you know, you plant seed and you get a few crops. But what's, what's so amazing also about you plant one seed and when it brings forth fruit or vegetables, what's interesting is inside of that fruit or vegetables is multiple seeds that you can take and replant and plant more more um, uh, more plants and then they grow and then they multiply so there's a lot to learn there about God's multiplication also but we can learn a lot from the farmer if he plants few seeds he's going to get a small crop if he plants a lot of seeds and he's generous in that planting he's going to have more crops so we must each decide uh, in our hearts uh, how to be generous and how to give that, that is very vital so uh, of course, we don't want to give reluctantly or in response to pressure, uh, for God loves a cheerful giver, and we're going to talk about some scriptures about that here in a minute. But God will generously provide all that you need as we give generously. He always does. Uh, he gives back far greater than what we could ever give. That's the concept we've got to get in our hearts and minds as children of God. God will give generously and provide you all that you need. And also, God will also provide the seeds to plant from other seeds for harvest of the fruit and vegetables that we receive. So when you plant seeds, uh, you're not throwing away seeds. The seed does die. It dies in the ground, but it brings forth a plant, and that plant brings forth fruit. Uh, but not only does God give us the fruit, but he also gives us more seeds to plant more. God is into multiplication, and he is uh, a God that is very generous. I, I can't say that God is, is uh, stingy in any way. He is a generous God. And th that's who he is. Uh, but he gives back far greater than what we could ever give. So we plant one seed. How many has ever sat and counted the seeds inside of a tomato? Nobody? Can you guess? How many can, how many can guess? Count seeds. Okay. So just a rough guess, but how many of you think is in one tomato? Sixty-eight to a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> so if you, I you know I well let me put it this way I've never actually planted a tomato seed I always plant a tomato plant <laughs> and it brings forth several several uh, tomatoes but yeah, it comes from one seed that plant comes from one seed but if you've got sixty-eight or a hundred look at the multiplication that God gives back. It's so much greater than what we give. Uh, and that's the same thing with our generosity in God. He is a generous God. But there's some things we have to really understand about the Lord. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. Um, is Brother Arnold up there? 
There he, there he is. He got his arms up. I can see him. Second uh, Corinthians nine six uh, and seven right now, but we're eventually going to read through fifteen. You can put that up. It says here, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. He loves a cheerful giver because he is, he is a cheerful giver. He is very... Uh, giving. He is very generous. So when we look at that scripture, and we're going to read those here a little bit later, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it. Uh, I want to talk just a little bit about, I don't know if you ever heard of this, but the law of uh, reciprocity. Anybody ever heard of that? Or maybe I pronounced it wrong. Reciprocity. Um, reciprocity means shared dependence cooperation or exchange between persons, groups, or states. When I, when I think of recipiosity, uh, there you go. I never even heard that word before. Um, but when you consider that word, I, I look at it like it's, it's, it's a give and then receive, give and receive. Now, I, 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 can, I can think of it, Brother Austin, in this way, because I work with... Uh, Saul's and uh, Reciprocal Saul, um, which is uh, one of the brand, you know, some of the brand names is a Saul'sall. Anybody ever heard of a Saul'sall? You know what it does? It goes out with a saw blade and comes back. And that's all it does. It goes back. It goes out, comes back, goes out. So it's reciprocating, reciprocating. So uh, and what that shows is it gives one way and takes back another way. It's cutting into the wood going one way and coming back. When we give in the law of what Brother Austin said, um, we understand that with God, God operates by a principle in generosity and giving. He operates in a principle. Now, how you treat the Lord is how he will treat you. Now, I know that seems to be difficult to understand at this point. But you'll understand it when I bring some scriptures up here in a minute. Because we think God's just constantly giving, 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 which he is, he is wanting to give gifts to us. But the concept here is, and listen to this very closely, three words, you go first. You go first. That's the law of Yes, thank you. Thank you for the help here. So, God operates in this principle. How do you treat how you treat him is how he will treat you because it's a matter of you going first. We're thinking that God's just going to pour it all on us. We've got to go first. And that's scripture. Um, you might not have looked at it that way, but it's true. Uh, some of the examples here of this thought of this law of us going first. Listen to what it says in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 8. Brother Arnold, he's up there raring to go. James 6, 4, and 8. I mean, James 4 and 8, excuse me. This is a different concept of God. Listen to what it says here, James 4 and 8. 
draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. We thought that He would always do it all first. There's other scriptures that bear this out too. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. And of course, the scripture goes on and says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. So, you draw near first. That's what it says. For us to see uh, the giftings and generosity of God, he's wanting us to go first. And he will give us back far greater than what we could ever give him. So you draw near first. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. God is wanting us to take the steps toward him first. Okay, now Hebrews 11 and 6. Hebrews 11 and 6. Listen to what it says here. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. We've heard that, and a lot of times we've quoted that scripture, and that's where we stop. How many times we do that? Uh, <laughs> there's been scriptures that I've read, and, and I, I think, okay, yeah, I've heard that over and over and over again, and I've, I've got it memorized. But then when I go further in that scripture and I start reading the rest of the scripture or the scriptures on down from that, it brings a whole new light to everything. So Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. We know that to be true, for sure. It's the word of God, of course. But when you go on, it says this, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's us doing it first. That we come to God and we believe that he is and we also believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And when we come to God first he will always come to us with far greater things than what we could ever give. God doesn't reward first and then you seek him. He said seek him and then he will reward us. Uh, you seek first, and then he rewards. Okay, let's look at another scripture here in the book of Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 and 15. A law that is talking about us giving and him giving back. The generosity goes both ways. Second Chronicles 7, 14. It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. So it shows what we do first. We take the step first toward God. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, we will humble ourselves first and pray and seek my face and turn from our wicked ways. Then we make the first steps. Then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive your sin and will heal their land. God always comes through as we take the first step. 
sometimes we're sitting back of waiting. Okay, God, pour it on us. God, you know, uh, do this, 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 and this. No, what he's waiting for us to do is for us to be generous in our walk with him and give, give to the Lord. You see what I'm saying? It's a law that God, he goes by. God says, if you will, then I will. And God is wanting to, but he's waiting for us to take the steps of faith to believe and trust in him. So you, you could say then, if you want God to be generous with you, then we could, we could actually say that if we, if we want God to be generous to us, then first we must be generous to God. But you could also say it on the flip side, if you want God to be stingy with us, then we'd be stingy with God. You see, God is looking for us to step out in faith. He's looking for us to, to be generous. He wants us to be generous because he's a generous God. Because he wants us to try him. He wants us to step out in faith and try him and see if he will not come through with exactly what he said he would do. He gives back far greater, as I've said here earlier, than what we could ever give to him. But that's the, that's the area of faith that we've got to get into. We've got to get into that point of trusting him and believing him at his word. His word is truth. He will not fail us in his word, but, but he's got a purpose for this. He's waiting for us to take the steps of faith and watch him do the work that he desires to do. We do the first steps, and he will. He will be generous back to us and even greater. So, first of all, who created the earth? We know that God created the earth. Okay, so who placed the laws of sowing and reaping in the earth? God. So when we understand this, uh, even in creation, God is demonstrating to us how his kingdom works. A sowing and a reaping. A sowing and a reaping. We plant seed. God gives it back in greater proportions. We plant one seed, he gives it back in multiple seeds. We sow multiple seeds and he gives back far greater. It depends on how we sow. If we sow stingingly, uh, in a stingy way, we're going to get back in a stingy way. If we sow with a generous heart, we're going to get things back in a generous, in a generous way from a generous heart. So God created the earth, and he also created the laws of sowing and reaping upon the earth, and it also applies to us in a spiritual way. We know that God desires to give to us things that, that we couldn't even imagine. There are some things we ask God for, and we plant a seed in prayer, and we plant a seed or plant a seed of, like, like the other night, we planted seeds of, of uh, seed offering, and I'm believing that God's going to give us some testimonies. And I want to hear those testimonies when they come, because I know without a doubt when we see when we sow a seed uh, like we did, things will come back to us. We made the step first, and God is in His generosity is going to give back in a generous way, far greater than what we planted. I believe that to be so. I've seen it too many times. I've experienced it too many times, and I know you have too. But even the creation that God's created is demonstrating to us how God's kingdom works. 
the law of the harvest. If a farmer doesn't plant, he's not going to reap. So a man can call himself a farmer. Um, a lot of people might call themselves farmers, but when you call yourself a farmer, I think it's probably going to come down to some of the descriptions we talked about of a farmer here tonight. If a farmer is calling himself a farmer to really know that he's a farmer, you're going to see some, some calluses on his hands. You're going to see some, some uh, uh, late nights and early mornings. You're going to see some, some uh, cows in his yard and horses in his yard or maybe pigs in his yard. You're going to see plants. You're going to see fields. You're going to see, uh, you're going to see uh, tractors. You're going to see all of these things. You're going to, uh, you know, you're going to see uh, the results of a farmer. If he says he's a farmer, you're going to see also fruit that is born from that. You're going to see plants. You're going to see fruit. You're going to see seeds that he's going to go and plant again. It's an every year thing with him. He constantly is planting every year. It's amazing that farmers, uh, there, there's a lot of farmers I know that have to be believing in God because it's such a miracle thing that you plant a seed and a, and a and a crop comes up, and then fruit comes off of that, and corn and beans and, and tomatoes and, and uh, uh, fruit trees and, and the fruit on the trees. It's just amazing. Uh, you, you can't really be a farmer and not really believe in God, but I'm sure there probably is some that, that take it for granted and don't believe in God. But, but the thing about it, it's such a miracle, that law of planting and reaping. It's such a miracle. But a man could call himself a farmer or a harvester, but is he if he never plants in the field? The harvest is dependent on a generous sowing, but it also is regulated by a sparing sowing. But the same thing happens in our own lives. We sow generously, we're going to receive generously. We sow sparingly, we're going to receive sparingly. So the question is here tonight, am I gracious? Asking yourself, are you gracious? How gracious are we in God? And how much do we believe in God to come through? Here, here's a biblical prescription of a generous giver. And Paul wrote this uh, in, in the scriptures that we read here earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 through 13. First of all, here's a biblical prescription of a generous giver. Paul mentioned three things in the scriptures. Number one, he said, uh, in order to find out if we're a, a generous giver, uh, we've got to decide in our heart. That's number one. Number two, to find out if I'm a, a generous giver is don't be pressured by someone else. I give, not because I'm pressured. I give because I love God. And then the third thing is, um, am I a generous giver? Is that I give cheerfully. I don't give re reluctantly. I give cheerfully. Those are three things that Paul said is a prescription of a generous giver. Now, let's read those scriptures again that we talked about here earlier. Of course, the result here is... In, in being a generous giver of these three things, the result of it, and it bears it out in the scripture, that you will have enough for you and also for others. That's the law of sowing and reaping. 
But as we look at the scriptures again, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, listen what it says. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. That's number one, Paul said. We have to purpose it in our heart first. So let him give. It's got to be purpose in our heart to give. And then the second thing is not grudgingly or of necessity. It's, it's not that anybody's pressuring us to do it. We don't allow that. But I give because I desire to give. And then the last thing that Paul was saying, for God loveth a cheerful giver. He loveth a cheerful giver. And then verse 8, we're going to go on down through these scriptures here. And it says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Talking about giving graciously. That ye always have all sufficiency in all things. A gracious giver is going to uh, be the one that has always having all sufficiency in all things. May abound to every good work. Verse 9, as it is written... He hath dispersed abroad. Not only is it uh, to a gracious giver is it going to be a blessing for him, it's going to be a blessing to others around him. Because a gracious giver doesn't just give just to receive, he gives to bless others also. That's a gracious giver. But it says, uh, they may abound to every good work, verse 9, as it is written, he hath dispersed abroad. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown. So it blesses you and it also blesses other people. And increase, goes on, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Verse 11, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service, verse 12, not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whiles, verse 13, whiles by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. So a generous giver purposes in their heart to give. And they give generously. And they also um, don't give in a manner where they're pressured to give. They give because they, it's in their heart to give. And they give cheerfully. And God loves a cheerful giver. But it doesn't just bless the giver it also blesses those that are around the giver because he distributes it to others and helps others along the way. There is a great law that we're talking about here of the law of, of uh, sowing and reaping. We sow, we give out, we, we give graciously. God has blessed us. Thank the Lord for his blessing. But the thing about it is it doesn't just need to be a blessing to us. It needs to be a blessing to people all around us too. Thank God for the graciousness of giving. So I see in giving, you receive from your giving by giving generously to the Lord, even of your tithes and offerings and, and other uh, offerings that we receive here uh, at the church. You receive 
uh, from your giving, but also others receive from your giving. But another thing about the giving, as it's explained in the scripture, is that we give praise to God of thanksgiving. We give, God gives us, we, we step out and give and take the first step. God always gives back to us. You know what God is trying to do? He's trying to find conduits where he can bless through us. He's looking for conduits that he can trust, that he can, he can bless so that it can go forth and bless others. And, and it's a constant flow. It's the laws of sowing and reaping. Farmers that, that plant seed, they can, it's not just for themselves to harbor for themselves, but it is a blessing. Yeah, they make some money on the, uh, that's how they make a living. They have, you know, we drive down uh, the, the highways in Illinois and there's big silos, uh, gigantic silos. They're filling them up with grain and then they, they save them for till the price goes up, and then they take them in and cash it in and try to make a little bit more money off of it, but it's distributing out to others also. It's blessing the, the, the other people. The work that they do blesses us also. But there's a lot of thanksgiving that comes through that. We praise God and give thanks for what we receive from the Lord, but others praise God also and give thanks for what they receive because of our giving. There's a lot of things that, that is blessed uh, through the giving of the people of God. Um, you know, we, we, we see churches built. We see uh, missionaries go to foreign fields. We see, we see uh, uh, thousands and thousands of people receive the Holy Ghost. And I know Brother Ron was talking about Ethiopia. That was amazing revivals that Brother Billy Cole uh, was able to be a part of. You know what, Bill, Brother Billy Cole, they ask him, how come these things happen, these great revivals and great... Uh, harvest of hundreds of thousands of souls. Uh, some miracles took place there, but how come this happens? He said, the reason it happens, he said, they, they were ask, ask, actually asking him uh, how the, the God uses him to be a part of this. He said, I just pray and ask God to tell me where to go, and I go there, and that's where he pours it out. It's not anything about me. I'm just asking God where should I go? What should I do? And I, he tells me, and I go, and then that's where the harvest gets poured out. It's amazing miracles that have happened there. I've heard some stories, uh, uh, true stories. Matter of fact, uh, my friend Luke Levine uh, was telling me he went at one point to one of those Ethiopian revivals, and uh, they, uh, the Lord told Brother Billy Cole that every time you go uh, to these revival services, these harvest services, these miracle services, every time you go, when you leave, I will send a rain because it was a very dry area there, and I will send you rain. And sure enough, every time, God promised him that every time that they would leave, a pour, outpouring of rain would come over the place in that whole area. It was a miracle. Uh, Brother Levine told me that uh, one service, they were uh, at one of the revival services, and there was a the platform was real high because they had hundreds, they had like hundreds of thousands of people, maybe 200, 300,000 people uh, and under the tent and out of the tent. Uh, it was an amazing move of God there. And he said that there was a, uh, a boy that was um, uh, demon-possessed and uh, this real high platform. And he came up and he actually, uh, with the spirit that was in him, he jumped up over the top of the platform, which was almost impossible, and came down on the platform, and I think Brother Eli Hernandez was preaching uh, that service, and he told that spirit, he said, I want you to sit right over there. I'm not going to mess with you right now. 
sit over there and I will deal with you later. And he went over and sat. He was demon-possessed. And um, he sat there when they had the service. He was not going to let that spirit hinder the service. And so they had a great move of God. People were receiving the Holy Ghost. Miracles were taking place. And then he went over and cast the demon out of that young man. There was another event, Brother Luke Levine told me that um, uh, he said that there was a, a boy came up to the platform and wanted to be prayed for. He was blind. He was born blind. He, all you could see in his eyes was the white. There was no pupil whatsoever in his eyes. He came up for prayer. He said he laid hands on that, that uh, young man, and he said all of a sudden God started touching him, and he started uh, feeling the power of God, and he opened his eyes, and he had pupils. Miracle from God, great move of God. A, a lot of these things come by the generosity of the giving. And not only blesses us, but it blesses us when we hear these testimonies. But it blesses us to realize there's miracles and wonders that are going on by the generosity of the giving of the people of God. It makes it possible. We wish it didn't take money to do these things, but it does. But it's a miracle. Um, there was another event. I'm, I don't know. I might have mentioned this to you, but Brother Billy Cole said that, that um, there was a there was a woman that was demon possessed, and they they brought him brought her to him, and and uh, she was going kind of wild and this and that, you know. So he said uh, he said I want you to take her back to the back room. I'm not going to mess her with, with her right now. Take her to the back room, put her in the room, and lock her in the room. I'll deal with it later. So they did. They took her in the room. It was a dark room, put her in the room. And, and then after the service, uh, he went into the room, and he walked in, and she was curled up in the corner, and the other men were there with her to pray with Brother Cole. And he said, uh, he said to her when he walked in the door, he said, No, I'm tired. Uh, it's been a long service. Um, why don't you just leave her locked up in this room and I'll deal with it tomorrow. And she got up and said, no, I think I want to walk out of here. What it was, he already recognized she didn't have a demon spirit. She was just trying to disrupt the service. <laughs> and she didn't want to stay in that room the rest of the night by herself in the dark. But he was sensitive enough to the spirit to realize she didn't have a demon she was just wanting to disrupt. You see, there's a lot of mirac miraculous things that happen in the kingdom of God, and thank the Lord for the generosity of the people of God. Miracles, wonders. So God is looking for a conduit that he can trust to bless others through, to have generosity, but he's willing or he's wanting us to make the first step. And then he will make the step to generosity even greater than what we give. So we need to ask again that question, am I generous? Am I generous? Let's look at a story that you've heard many times in the book of John, chapter 12. Jesus and the disciples were in a house, and Mary and Martha was there. Lazarus, that was raised from the dead, was there. But all of a sudden, Mary decided, going back to Paul's uh, three descriptions of a gener generous giver, 
uh, she decided in her heart that she would get out her alabaster box of precious ointment and spikenard that she had been saving for many years. It was precious, it was expensive. And she didn't let anyone else decide for her what she purposed in her heart to do. Because she burst into the room without an announcement or invitation. She burst into the room where Jesus was at because she had already purposed in her heart that she was going to take this alabaster box and pour the ointment on his feet in praise to him. So she burst into the room without announcement, without invitation, and broke open the seal and poured the oil on the feet of Jesus. And it caught everyone off guard, especially one of the disciples began to question it. Out of the 12 disciples, who do you think would have been questioned about? Judas. Judas that spoke up and complained about her pouring the ointment out of this precious box, alabaster box, on Jesus' feet. And here's what he said in John 12, 4 through 6. Now we're looking at, okay, am I a generous giver or am I a stingy giver? John 12, 4, Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Verse 5, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? That sounds like a pretty good thought if you're trying to rationalize things. But you see, in God, giving sometimes doesn't make sense to the rational mind. Because when you give in faith, matter of fact, anything and everything in faith doesn't make sense. When, when you're believing God for a healing and the doctor's saying it can't happen, it doesn't make rational sense. Faith, a lot of times, doesn't make sense. Sometimes in faith, and, and I, I've said this before, but you know, we, we're into what we can touch, hear, feel, you know, uh, see, taste, our five senses. We're into that. We, we know that if we can have our five senses uh, to be able to connect with that, then we know it's real. But I would say that in the world and realm of faith, it's more tangible than the five senses. In the realm of faith. Because God is more real than what we see in front of us and what we could touch and what we could hear and what we could taste. God's word is more real than anything else. Because if, if we could ever catch the concept that God, what he says, is going to come to pass and we stand upon it and believe it and take the first step and agree in that, we're going to see it come to pass. And let me say this, be willing to say, God, if it's your will to do it your way and not my way, that's okay. That's okay. 
Because I think sometimes when we ask God for a specific thing and say, God, I need this to happen, and when he does it a different way, trust me, it's going to be better than what we ask for. Always. Don't limit God. God, this is what I need. You know what I need, but God, I know you know how to work it out, and I don't, so I put it in your hands and let you take care of it and let your will be done. I believe in you. Trust you, God. And sometimes it's not done in our time frame, and sometimes it's not done exactly the way we want it done, but it's better than what we wanted it and what we asked for always in God. The things in God are more, more tangible and able to connect with than the things we see, feel, taste, touch, hear. And it's the same thing with our generosity toward God. He is more faithful and more gracious and more generous than what we could ever give to him. So, let's go back to the story. John 12, 4 through 6. Then say of one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And then verse 6 kind of explains it here. Really what was in his heart. It says, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Not only was Judas, uh, when I look at someone that is a thief, I look at them that they're stealing something. <laughs> he carried the bag. I don't know what he did. I don't know what all he, he took out of the bag, but if he was a thief, evidently he was taking something out, and he wasn't putting anything in. He was not contributing, but he was a thief and taken from the bag. So it shows his heart. He didn't really care for the poor. He cared about what was in that bag. And he was wondering why would Mary give such an expensive, extravagant gift and just pour it on Jesus' feet. He looked at it like that's something that is worthless. But you see, to the, to the person that is generous, it does not make sense to other people. But they purposed it in their heart. And you can't move it out of their heart when they pur purposed it in their heart. And nobody forced them to do it. They gave it because that was out of the abundance of their heart. And they did it as a cheerful giver. So why would Mary give such an expensive extravagance? Why would her generous offering get Judas so upset? What we see here in this story is the answer here is there is two hearts displayed here. Two hearts. A heart of generosity, which was Mary, and a heart of selfishness, which was Judas. And you can see the end result of Judas. He betrayed the Lord. When we ask this question about ourselves, where is our heart? Is it a generous heart or is it a selfish heart? Uh, it was said by Brother Stan Gleason that the enemy of generosity is selfishness. 
The enemy of generosity is selfishness. And he also said this, generosity begins with the letter G, and selfishness begins with the letter S. And he also said that God starts with the letter G, and he's generous. And Satan starts with the letter S, and he's selfish. Now you can weigh that out however you want to. I think that was just his little bit of humor that he put in there, but it makes sense. But am I generous? Well, let's be honest here. Speaking personally, sometimes I am. Hopefully more than not, but sometimes not as much. I'm human, and you're human. But it's something we've got to constantly work on in every aspect of our life to get to the point where we're not selfish, but to be generous. And we're just trying to be real here tonight. Sometimes I'm generous, and sometimes I'm not so generous. And I'm kind of like you, and you're like me. But it's something we've got to work on all the time. In every aspect of our life, we've got to work on it. Because that's where God wants us, to be generous, so that he can, he can, he can flow the blessings through us to bless others as a conduit to bless others. And guess what? Like Sister Sheets said, you keep giving out, you keep getting more back. I don't know if you fully understood the concept, and I've talked about it before, and she mentioned it the other day, but in that depot in Haiti, they kept giving out, but they kept giving more back, and they got to the point where they couldn't hold everything in the, in the depot or the storage area. And that's the reason why Elsie said, we've got to quit giving out, because we keep getting too much more back, and we don't have enough area to hold everything that keeps coming back. And it just perfect, pretty well shows the blessings of giving in a generous way and getting far more back than what we give out. Selfishness doesn't need to be taught. Matter of fact, those that have had children, uh, it's not anything you have to, you, I don't know how it comes about, but it just happens, you know, that sometimes children become selfish. And I don't think we taught them that, did we? we? We didn't necessarily teach them that, but it just automatically comes. It doesn't have to be taught, it's born in us. You don't have to teach your children to be selfish, but you do have to teach them to be generous. You do. But from, every, from a very early age, children have been able to say clearly and loudly the word mine, mine, that's mine, 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 mine. I think a lot of times, because uh, some children, you know, they see, hey, I got something and I want it, and then someone's trying to take it with me. It's mine. They're trying to take it away. It's mine. And it's just a natural thing. They just pick up on learning how to, we all have, learning how to be selfish. But we have to be taught to be generous overcome the selfishness and be generous. When God talks about giving of tithes and offerings, he also speaks, not in a bad way, but he speaks, that is mine. <laughs> it says in Leviticus 27 and 30, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy, unto the Lord for his purpose of course 
the tithe of an increase, of our increase. You see, Judas sounded, he sounded very generous and very compassionate when he said, how come you didn't take that and sell it and give it to the poor? Wouldn't have that made a little bit more sense in his thinking? But he sounded pretty generous and he sounded pretty compassionate because he sounded like he was thinking of the poor, but the Bible says he wasn't thinking of the poor. He was thinking of himself, so he was selfish. Wasn't, wasn't this sold and given to the poor? Well, it kind of comes down to sometimes people get really generous with other people's stuff. But we get stingy with our own stuff. We like to give away other people's stuff, and that's where Judas was. You know, he, he was the only thinking about himself. Judas couldn't understand this extravagant gift, giving it to God, God in flesh, Jesus. But the definition of extravagant, extravagant is exceeding the limits of reason or necessity, lacking in moderation, balance, and restraint, and let's really get down to the real nitty-gritty of extravagant. I know that the Bible's not saying necessarily, but in a, in a manner it is saying that it was kind of an extravagant thing to be able to give an alabaster box with precious ointment that was worth a whole lot of money. It was extravagant. Why would you take that, break it, and give it and pour it on the feet of Jesus? You see, to some people... Uh, when they have purposed in their heart their praise and worship and sacrifice and commitment and submission to God, you can't stop them. She wouldn't have let anybody stop her from doing that. She, she came into the room without an invitation, and she came in and, and just went through her process of giving praise unto the Lord. When we purpose in our heart to give praise and worship to the Lord, uh, it, it's not because someone else is pumping and priming us. We shouldn't have it that way where it's, where it's uh, you know, I got cheerleaders to cheer us on. We just need to come in and purpose in our heart our praise and our worship to the Lord and give it all to God. Amen. We need to come in with an automatic response of giving praise and worship unto the Lord and just let him, let him have it all. Open your heart up to the Lord. It, we shouldn't have to pump and prime. It just should be an automatic thing. We walk into the house of the Lord. The first note on the piano is, is saying because it's trying to bring us into a place of praise and the praise singers are bring, bringing us into a place of worship and praise unto the Lord. We feel the Spirit of God. God is faithful. He comes in, uh, he inhabits the praises of his people. What a glorious thing that it is. It's a promise. Every time we come to church, God shows his faithfulness in his promises. And we feel the presence of God. We begin to move in the presence of the Lord and begin to cry out to him. And it needs to be an automatic response. Before we get to the church, we need, we need to have a, a generous giving, not just of our, of our finances, but of our praise and of our worship and our lives and our, our commitment to him. Amen. But extravagant, the definition exceeding the limits of reason or necessity. It seemed like it was exceeding the limits to Judas because he was selfish. And it seemed like it was extreme, uh, exceeding the limits of reason or necessity. And it was lacking moderation and balance and restraint. Something didn't hit well with him because his heart wasn't purposed 
for being generous. So let's get down to the real definition of it, of extravagant in this situation. It was something that someone had that was more than what he had. Sometimes when people are not right with God, they get jealous of other people that are connecting with God and worshiping and praising. That shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. We shouldn't get to the place where we are looking down on somebody because they're getting a blessing from the Lord and, and they're, they're, you know, God comes through and answers a prayer for them and they have a testimony. We need to be rejoicing with them. We need to be praising the Lord over that because that is a glorious experience. And, and guess what? We praise the Lord and thank the Lord for it and, and we're there with them. We're, we're worshiping and shouting the victory with them because there's going to be one day, and this is not the reason for it, but there's going to be one day that we're going to have a victory too and people are going to rejoice with you because you have received a glorious experience from God, a healing, a deliverance, a miracle, a financial blessing, whatever it is. Amen. It comes to the people of God, but God's looking for us to step out first. And that's what he said, and he will give back far greater than what we give him. Amen. Judas had an issue. He was selfish. So it's important for us to overcome what nobody had to teach us, that selfishness, and, 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 and learn how to be gracious and learn how to be generous in our walk with God. And I'm going to close on this. Uh, one of the, uh, just an illustration here um, is a story of a, of a pastor that actually was, came to a town visiting another pastor, and, uh, and selfishness is easy to get in, involved in. We've got to be cautious with this. But this pastor was in the town, and he was visiting with another pastor, and they were driving around the town, and, and they passed by this real large house in the town. And the visiting pastor said, look at that house. Who needs that much of a house? The local pastor said, well, for your information, that house belongs to one of our, one of our church members. And the visiting pastor said, well, he needs to sell that house, buy something smaller, and give the extra to the poor. He was starting to sound like Judas. And as he said that, he said, well, he needs to sell the house, buy something smaller, give to the, the extra to the poor. And the local pastor said, well, you should know what you should know that he is very generous toward God. The reason why he has these things because he has been generous and God has given him back far greater. And you said he needs to buy something, sell it, buy something smaller, give it to the poor. And as he was talking to the visiting pastor, the local pastor was, um, he just said, this, this man is a very generous giver toward God. He is Matter of fact, he's an extravagant giver toward God. And he continued, and he said to the pastor that was visiting, he said, you know what else? He said, you don't care about the poor. Because if you did, you'd sell your house and downsize and give the proceeds to the poor. And then the words of Judas is the one who said that first, and he's the one who betrayed the Lord. And the visiting pastor apologized very quickly. 
It's so easy to get wrapped up in the selfishness when we can need to consider the blessings that come along with the generosity of giving. Mary was blessed by giving of her extravagant gift to the Lord. There's no greater place to give your extravagant, extravagant gifts to than to the Lord. We don't give just because he's going to give back, but that's just a part of the laws of sowing and reaping. God always gives back greater than what we could ever give. Try God, see what he will do. We've all seen it. We've all experienced it. We all know what God will do. But it's uh, being a generous giver is something that we always have to work on all of our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. In the Bible, as I mentioned Sunday, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we know how good, how enjoyable it is to receive gifts. So if that's the case of how good it is to receive a gift and if giving is so much greater, let's try God and see what he will do. And it's not just finance. It's giving of your heart to the Lord, giving of your life to the Lord, giving of your time to the Lord, giving of your commitment and your submission to the Lord. As you give these things to God, God has so much greater to give back to your life. And we're blessed. Amen. Let's thank him here tonight. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you, Lord.